Global Connections Television is a privately funded, independently produced program. The opinions expressed on Global Connections are solely those of the moderator and his guests. We invite you to go to the website at www.globalconnectionstelevision.com to view previous shows. If you are involved with a PBS or community access television station or an educational institution that has an intra-campus television hookup or perhaps a podcast or just a computer and would like to share the programs, please feel free to do so. Global Connections is provided at no cost to help people in the U.S. and worldwide better understand how international issues impact our lives. Welcome to today's Global Connections program. I'm Bill Miller. Today, we're going to take a look at the United States Peace Corps and how being a Peace Corps volunteer put one person on an international path. My guest today is Mr. Harlan Russell Green. Harlan Green is a former Peace Corps volunteer in Turkey, and he is the 2023 winner of the Peace Corps Writers Publishers Award for his latest book on Building Community, Answering Kennedy's Call. Harlan Green is a Rotarian a retired mortgage banker, and he's the editor-publisher of Popular Economics Weekly, a financial wire service he began in 2000. Harlan Green, welcome to today's Global Connections program. Thank you, Bill. Thank you for having me on. I'm uh, happy to uh, be on. I appreciate you being with me. You and I are former Peace Corps volunteers, which we have yeah. a lot in common in that area. Plus, we're Rotarians, so we'll, we'll try to get into all of this as we go. But let me just ask you very briefly, uh, why did you join the Peace Corps, and what did you do? What was your assignment in Turkey? Uh, I happened to be a student at UC Berkeley at the time, and um, it was serendipity, really. Uh, I had been in the student union when President Kennedy was assassinated in November of 63, and sitting there watching uh, Walter Cronkite uh, announce his death just uh, put us all in quite a uh, you know tearful uh, uh, sad just feel incredibly uh, depressed situation and then I walk out onto the sunlight into Sproul Plaza it was the new student union in Berkeley and there in front of me was a Peace Corps recruiting table two Peace Corps volunteers sitting there and I just thought that is what I wanted to do I had not a path before that I was still a junior not quite a senior and not knowing what I wanted to do. And there was the Peace Corps in front of me and then just, you know, uh, to honor Kennedy, honor his uh, his life, I uh, volunteered on the spot. Very good, well, it was very fortuitous. You ran into the Peace Corps recruitment table. That was very good. So very briefly, what did you do in Turkey? What was your Yeah, and, uh, well, it took a while because I then was drafted in my senior year. <laughs> and I thought, oh my God, I volunteered. I hadn't heard back from the Peace Corps yet, but then I did in my last semester. And uh, they first they offered me Pakistan. And I was so, uh, un, you know, because the draft hanging over me, I said, okay, I'm volunteering for Pakistan or wherever you send me. A week later, I thought, wait a minute, I want to really be in the Mediterranean. So I called back and the, the, the volunteer director said, why did you volunteer for Pakistan then? And, uh, but you, uh, you have luck. Uh, we canceled that program anyway. How about Turkey? And at the time, I didn't know where Turkey was, but I knew it was on the Mediterranean, but not its history or anything about it. And that's where I was accepted for. And it was a rural community development program. Uh, first time in a Muslim countryside, very experimental program. We didn't know 
if it would work. But I was living in a village for two years. That sounds about right. I I, I had that one year in a very rural area, no electricity, no running water. The next year, I was a teacher at the Catholic University in Santiago, teaching in the School of Social Work. So you talk about quite a contrast. But a lot of people have often said to me, maybe to you too, that is the Peace Corps still alive? Well, it is. It is very alive, very active. And for our viewers who'd like more information, they go to www.peacecorps.gov to get more information. Well, let's move into your book here before we run out of time. What is the thrust of building community, answering Kennedy's call? Obviously, Kennedy is John F. Kennedy. Yes, this was a um, condensation of a larger book. I had actually got a very good New York editor, uh, and it was uh, more of a life history as well, autobiography, since uh, yeah, I was born on the year of Pearl Harbor, 1941. So I had decided that uh, uh, that I would try and sell something, um, you know, be a New York publisher. It didn't work. But then I thought uh, my what I learned in the Peace Corps was uh, was about building community, community development, rural community development in a Turkish village in this case. And uh, taking what I'd learned at the Peace Corps, I decided this would warrant a book, Building Community Answering Kennedy's Call. So I condensed it down into three sections, which was public service with the Peace Corps. After the Peace Corps, which was the Environmental Protection Agency, I joined in in 1972. I thought this is a way to 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 continue to uh, pursue community development. In this case, it was introducing the Clean Air and Water Acts for the Peace Corps in the San Francisco Regional uh, Office. And uh, then I went for a couple of years of that under contract, made a film for them. And then a, uh, along came uh, Cesar Chavez and the United Farm Workers. And that's all in the book, too, because I thought, wow, here's another opportunity to advance community development, uh, community organizing with Cesar Chavez in the mid-70s uh, at the height of the strikes that were going on, the labor strikes and the uh, boycotts. And I thought that was another place to kind of be part of history, it certainly was. There's no doubt about that. We're going to get into that in just a moment. But before we do, you've, uh, you and I have been involved in a lot of groups that, that have international linkages. And one is the Partnering for Peace Group. And that is an organization of returned Peace Corps volunteers who are Rotarians, members of Rotary International, who are working to connect former well, connect Rotary clubs with Peace Corps projects in various countries. And uh, that's obviously a very important topic, but uh, for our viewers, if they're interested in this, they can go to www.partneringforpeace.org. And of course, we're both members of Rotary International, which is the largest or one of the largest service clubs in the world with 1.3 million members. And they've got uh, 35,000 clubs all around the world. Yeah, yeah. Viewers can go to www.rotary.org for more information on that. And we'll come back to those if we have time. But let's talk a little bit about the U.S. Environmental Protection Agency. What did you do with the EPA? Yeah, um, boy, uh, I was had gotten a filmmaking degree on my return from Turkey, Peace Corps, and then sometime overseas. Um, uh, and I thought this was a great opportunity. I was... Uh, I, uh, the the recruiter called me up and said uh, 
there was an open position with the Western office, the San Francisco office of the UPA. And as I said, it was 1972. It had just been formed, signed into law by Nixon. And I thought, what an opportunity here to, to, to take part in this, in this uh, environmental history. What we were trying to do was spread the word. So I actually uh, uh, did all the uh, PR work for the Western region on, on uh, explaining uh, the, uh, the Clean Air and Water Acts, as I said. I also made a film, The Great Clean Air Debate, about it at the time and uh, all kinds of exciting adventures I participated in. I could fly all over uh, the Western states, photograph from the air. Uh, had one close call, actually, it's, it's in the book, uh, uh, United Air Crash Landing, which I, <laughs> I can't tell you that, that, that's another story, but I survived that and flying over Good. the air. Glad to hear and, that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so there were lots of adventures. We were kind of flying, uh, by the seat of our pants, uh, if that's uh, not a horrible uh, <laughs> pun, but uh, we were just improvising to to you know to to film and get the word out about the Environmental Protection Agency, brand new agency. Well, being a pilot, also the pilots always said that any landing that you can walk away from is a successful landing, even if it's a crash. So, sure. but anyway. Well, you're watching Global Connections Television, which is a privately funded, independently produced program. The opinions expressed on Global Connections are solely those of the moderator and his guest. We'd invite our viewers to go to our website at www.globalconnectionstelevision.com to view previous programs. Also, if you've been involved in some with a community access television station or a PBS station, or perhaps an educational institution, that has an intra-campus television hookup, or you just have a podcast or just a computer, you like our shows and you'd like to share them, please feel free to do so. Global Connections Television is provided at no cost as a public service to help us better understand international issues and how they impact our lives. Today, we were talking about how being a former Peace Corps volunteer can put you on an international track. My guest today is Harlan Russell Green, Harlan Green is a former Peace Corps volunteer in Turkey, and he is the 2023 winner of the Peace Corps Writers Publishers Award for his latest book on building community, answering Kennedy's call. Harlan Green is a Rotarian, a retired mortgage banker, and editor-publisher of Popular Economics Weekly, a financial wire service he began in 2000. Harlan, I'm going to put in a plug here for your website. Our viewers are probably very interested in this uh, service that you created, uh, this wire service, but they can go to www.populareconomics.com to get more information on that. But uh, let's move into uh, some of your other professional activities. Uh, one, you... Uh, You've been involved with Cesar Chavez. You were involved with Cesar Chavez, who is truly the icon of organizing the Latino population, I guess, in the, mostly in the agricultural area. I would, I guess that's where he focused. How did you get involved with Cesar Chavez? Well, what intrigued me, of course, I, would, I was given a call from a GSA administrator for the, uh, uh, no, uh, let me see. Uh, it was actually as uh, <laughs> actually a cousin of mine who was who was helping Caesar move to his new headquarters from Delano up to a place called La Paz. 
on the way to Tehachapi in the California mountains and the mountains uh, that lead into the Mojave Desert on the east. And um, I thought, wow, uh, I'd heard about this. I'd heard about what Caesar was doing. And uh, at the same time, these were farm workers. Well, I had been working with farm workers basically in Turkey, in this my Turkish village, uh, in the Peace Corps. And so that this is something I could contribute to. I can contribute to what uh, what Caesar and the United Farm Workers Union is trying to do. It was the mid-70s. Uh, it was a very down time there. They, they'd been at a very low point, maybe 6,000 members at the time. And so I basically dedicated a year to living with Caesar, following him around again. I was a filmmaker. I actually um, opened the, um, the United Farm Workers Film Department and, uh, and actually filmed and partially directed and edited uh, two films, Fighting for Our Lives and Why We Boycott, which uh, Caesar used as recruiting tools, of course, and, and, and PR to, uh, to uh, advertise the boycott, among other things. Uh, one of them actually uh, fighting for our lives. One was nominated for a um, Oscar in 1975 uh, as feature length documentary. It actually lost to the man who skied Everest, which tells you where public sentiment was in the mid 70s. Uh, but anyway, it became a recruiting tool for Caesar. And uh, it was an incredible time because uh, I watched the Farm Workers Union come back out of the boycott, and uh, by 1976, the union began to expand again. It, it certainly made a tremendous difference as far as assisting the farm workers in that area of the country, probably in other areas also. Well, listen, right. on your book, uh, the book that you wrote, uh, Building Community, Answering Kennedy's Call, what were some of the major recommendations that came out of it to that would help us today to help create more sustainable development communities and uh, to build a better society to maybe help us get all fossil fuels, which we really desperately need to do or as quickly as possible. We can't do it overnight, but we can move in that direction. But what are some of the techniques that you identified that would be helpful to us today? The first thing is to understand what the principles of community development are. Uh, something that uh, we had learned from the Brits really when they were trying to wean their, their uh, colonial countries into independence. Uh, but community development has principles that, that I practice in Turkey to get my village irrigation water, for instance. Uh, protecting the environment was a real priority when I came back to the States. Uh, I'm a Californian and, uh, you know, we were leaders in the environmental movement here in California. So it was easy for me to kind of hitch a ride on that train, the environmental train here. Uh, in my community, which is Santa Barbara, California, uh, because we had uh, an area next door which wanted to become another city. The reason for the city is so it could get more funding so it could actually protect its environment. It was called the Goleta Valley, and it's in my memoir also. So uh, via a Rotary Club here, and I might say that Rotary has been so instrumental in, in, in community development itself, and the various projects we've been doing. But uh, it was helping organize the Goleta community. I, using these principles, I became a planning director uh, for that area and helped uh, one part of it uh, uh, get revitalized. And that finally led to a new city, but we had to incorporate all these elements of the environmental uh, 
mitigations that are required uh, because we had floods here, seasonal floods and and a lot of environmental damage. And so that had to be part of the planning, but it was it was organizing committees, uh, becoming a planning director at the time. And you know, for two years, we crafted a community plan, they're called, which the state requires. And it had to have these environmental elements. So it was bringing people together uh, to, to form a new city, really. But uh, with the UCSB, University of California, Santa Barbara nearby, we did have support. They had strong environmental programs, strong support for this in the area. And so that helped us also. But um, it's it's organizing people uh, and uh, and reaching reaching agreement on what the what has to be in the plan that protects the environment as well as uh, helps develop the community. What have been some of the biggest challenges you've encountered as far as moving forward on creating sustainable development communities? Well, it's uh, in this area, you had a lot of different uh, interest groups there. There's some that wanted it to remain completely rural, uh, uh, others that wanted development because there's a lot of defense industry here. Uh, you had an agricultural industry, which I cover in all the last part of my, my book. But uh, the point being that finding common ground between them, there would, believe it or not, F. Scott. Uh, Fitzgerald. Uh, Peck, uh, M. Scott Peck, excuse me, wrote a book called The Distant Drummer, Distant Drums, excuse me, that 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 uh, helped, uh, that pub- actually published what the steps were to get a community to agreement on its goals, which is, again, uh, the essence of community development. So having these meetings, uh, bringing the community together, getting them to agree takes time. It took us two years to uh, to reach an agreement on our goals, and they have to include in this case, protecting the environment. That was, you can't have a healthy community without a, with a healthy environment. You know, 1969, we made history with the oil spill and starting the old environmental movement here in Santa Barbara in the channel. Uh, so very strong uh, uh, environmental ethos here already. So it wasn't that difficult to get people to agree on environmental protections. What needs to be done with the, with the uh, landscaping here, with the traffic planning, all of the things that bring down uh, pollution, bring down environmental damage. It's all part of a uh, kind of built into our planning process. Let's put it that way. And today we see that there are a lot of still interest groups out there. You were talking about interest groups, uh, mostly rich billionaires like Koch brothers and others who are working to weaken our regulatory agencies, some politicians even want to abolish the EPA and some others. And you've got to have them. They've they've got to operate in a reasonable way, obviously. They can't go overboard. The EPA can't, but you can't get rid of them either. But you have to have regulatory agencies that are working to help create this uh, stable environment and a healthy environment. Because if not, we'll flash back to what we were back in the 40s and the 50s with smog-filled cities and dangerous situations with airplanes and uh, just a variety of other things. But uh, you've had just a really a unique career. And in the last minute or so we have left, what, what has been the most poignant memory that you have of your involvement with Chavez or with the EPA or the Peace Corps or, or some other group that maybe I don't even know about? Okay, you are asking a very difficult question <laughs> a to answer. Question. I have so many of these memories. 
uh, memories of of Caesar, for instance, staging a mass funeral after 19 farm workers drowned in an irrigation ditch in the uh, Coachella Valley and Imperial Valley was we were where they worked, and they drowned because they had to. Uh, come over the border at four in the morning and they work and then they have to go back in the afternoon. They get maybe two hours sleep. The bus driver fell asleep. It was a magnificent funeral held. Um, uh, as far as the, the EPA, I think it was uh, making my film, The Great Clean Air Debate. It had Don McLean on the soundtrack singing Mosaic and uh, it filmed the uh, gas rationing hearings we had then and all the worries we had about smog and red alerts. Oh, there's so many memories I have of all this time. And then actually the final one being the fact that I helped found the city of Goleta uh, because of all the planning we've done. And uh, finally, the fourth try became a city. Uh, needless to say, there's a lot of opposition to a new city. Some people wanted just undeveloped and undeveloped areas had been totally agricultural. So there's so many memories that are in my book. Uh, uh, and it's the reason I wrote it. Very good. Well, it's an excellent book, and you're to be commended for that. And I'd just like to remind our viewers again that if they're interested in the Peace Corps, they can go to www.peacecorps.gov. And it's I think, Harlan, it's fair to say that you and I and tens of thousands more of Americans have been put on the international track, professional track, because of our involvement in the Peace Corps. And the Peace Corps is a very vital institution. I, I know you mentioned earlier about being drafted or getting a notice in that. Of course, in, in that era, that was when the Vietnam War was raging, and a lot of people were not in agreement with the Vietnam War, but they wanted to do public service. But uh, one of the misconceptions out there was if you joined the Peace Corps, that you got out of the service. That's not the way it worked. <laughs> what you did was you got a two-year deferment if your Selective Service Board would give you that. Then you were still eligible once you got out of the Peace Corps. So it uh, it was a very different era. Well, Harlan, let's, in the last 30 seconds we have, what uh, what is your message to our viewers as to how they can get involved in dealing with these problems and how they can look into Rotary or the Peace Corps or any other group, uh, the Farm Workers of America, to help create this better world? There are groups everywhere, not only Rotary, uh, that, uh, that, that do this, actually do this. Uh, community building, we call it contributing to your community. If you want to contribute to your community, there are so many different ways, so many different clubs, community organizations. You can do that. Look for them and you can make a difference. I love Rotary because it continues what I did in Peace Corps as well. Um, uh, always wanting to find the ways to contribute, whether it's an environmental way or or whatever way you know you you would like. Uh, but it's there. And by all means, stay participating in, in your community. That's the, that's the answer. Community building is all about participating, finding groups, either help, helping to bring groups together that aren't united, or or joining groups that already are and 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 uh, are the goals compared to the goals you want. That's mm -hmm. that's the best way to answer that. Well, Harlan Green, we all have a role to play—a small role, a large role, something in between—but we can all help create this better world. And one way to do it is to take a look at your book, Building Community, Answering Kennedy's Call. But Harlan Green, I want to thank you so very much for a very interesting and a very informative program. 
You're welcome. Thank you so much, Bill. Thank you. I'm Bill Miller. Thank you for joining us today on Global Connections Television.